I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. All right, so uh, welcome to another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. This week, we're talking about uh, meditation and mindfulness, which I'm, I'm really excited about because I think that they're very useful tools um for kids i right now i'm working with uh twins and one one of the twins in particular has very strong feelings a lot of the time um and i found uh you know doing some sort of mindfulness things really helpful i know personally for me working with um this particular child and other children and i think that it's uh i think it's also like, at least for me, like the idea of mindfulness is something that I didn't really know about until I was an adult. Um, like when I was in like, when I was a teenager, like I tried yoga and stuff like that. And I had this idea that like meditation was like clearing your mind, uh, which I hated because I have ADHD and it was like not possible for me to just like <laughs> not think of anything, you know? Um, and it's interesting, like as I was kind of reading some of these books and, and doing a little research, um, it's it's sort of like, you know, they were talking about this idea of in, just like focusing on something as opposed to, you know, if you're having a lot of thoughts, focusing on something else, Um as opposed to just like trying to empty your head, which is what I always kind of thought it was. Um, So it was really, you know, as I was doing research and reading these books, I had a, had kind of a fun time at, you know, for myself learning more about, uh, about mindfulness and meditation. So anyway, anyway, Uh, I'm just rambling now. (laughs) No, no. um, I, I, I did a little, a little Googling, a little Googling, Mm -hmm. and I, I found a definition of mindfulness from the greater Mm. good science center at UC Berkeley. Um, do you, would you, shall I, shall I share yes, it please. a little bit of it? Um, for those folks who, who might not know, mindfulness means maintaining a moment by moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment through a gentle nurturing lens. Mindfulness. Yeah. I'll do one more paragraph and then I won't go into the, the nitty gritty. <laughs> mindfulness also involves acceptance meaning that we pay attention to our thoughts and feelings without Mm -hmm. judging them, without believing, for instance, that there's a right or wrong way to think or feel in a given moment. When we practice mindfulness, our thoughts tune into what we're sensing in the present moment rather than rehashing the past or imagining the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Right. So rather than emptying your mind, it's like focusing on what your mind is feeling. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it just makes me think about, I had, um, a therapist, uh, who, who used to do that, who used to ask me, which is kind of hard, like to, to go back to a moment and try to imagine how you were feeling in a moment, but like, who would encourage me, like when you're feeling this way, like, how does that manifest in your body? Right. Does your chest feel tight? Do you clench your fists? Do you like, how does that actually feel? And that was the first time that anybody had ever asked me that question. And it was really interesting to, um, to think about that, to think about like how I'm actually physically feeling in a moment, how my body, you know, because a lot of times, like, for example, with anxiety, your chest will feel tight. Um, or, you know, it's just different sensations that your body is feeling. And I think it's important um, again, it was like, you know, I think it's a really important thing for, to instill at a young age. Um, but for me, I was like, I don't know about this stuff. So I was like 27. I was like, mindfulness, what's that? Um, (laughs) and I found it, you know, I think it's, especially with kids, you know, there are so many, um, strong emotions happening. And I think it's, you know, this idea of sitting with those emotions and not pushing them away Mm -hmm. um, or ignoring them. But anyway, I guess I will talk about my first book. Um, My, so I have two books and then one that I want to talk about a little bit that I see recommended a lot. um, And I want to talk a little bit about how I feel about it. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) the first one that I want to talk about is called B is for Breathe. uh, And that was um, written and illustrated by Dr. Melissa Monroe Boyd, who is a clinical psychologist and mother. uh, And it's a self-published book. 
And basically, it's an alphabet book. Um, the full title is B is for Breathe and the ABCs of Coping with Fussy and Frustrating Feelings. So it's an alphabet book uh, about coping mechanisms. Um, so I mean, I won't read them all, but uh, some examples are A is for Art, B is for Breathe, C is for Count to 10, H is for Hug a Trusted Person, G is for Create a Glitter Jar, K is for kick a ball or do a physical activity. M is for muscle relaxation. W is for write about feelings. So it really has this great variety of different coping mechanisms, um, which I which I, uh, shifting over is one of my one of my way to go is about it is that I think um, again when we think of uh, this sort of idea of mindfulness, um, you know, it could have it's not all about just like sit with your feelings and, you know, think about them. Like that doesn't necessarily work for everybody. So they, you know, you can make art, you can dance, you can, you know, counting to 10 is a helpful uh, thing, right? You can, you know, hug a trusted person, which I like. I also like that they included a glitter jar, which is something that I use with kids, which basically you can find Pinterest is a great place um, to find recipes for this, but basically it's a jar. You can use a mason jar. I use plastic jars because I don't trust children with glass, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you can take any kind of jar and you put glitter in it. And it's um, a a mixture of other things that basically there's lots of different recipes. You can use glue, uh, clear glue. You can use oil. You can use different things um, to slow down the glitter from falling. So then the kid shakes it up and they basically watch as the glitter falls and they kind of have to, you know, folk, they kind of focus on that and wait. One of the things you can do with that is, you know, ask them to wait until the glitter is at the bottom of the jar. So it's almost like a, uh, you know, a moment for them to sit and focus on something and try to calm down a little bit, um, which I've used with kids in the past. Um, uh, So I like that they included just a really nice variety. Like there are physically, you know, doing physical activities, doing, you know, walking in nature, you know, there's a lot of uh, just a a lot of different things in here that I think also are all um, realistic things that I could see being helpful and I can see kids doing. Cause sometimes I, um, you know, I read books and I'm just like, this isn't a thing a kid would do or care about, you know? <laughs> um, and I felt like these were all kind of really practical things and realistic things that I could see being helpful for different kinds of kids. Um, my other uh, way to go for this book is that uh, out the, like, super the racial diversity is great um out of i actually counted out of 26 illustrations 23 of them are people of color um so i was like the author is also a woman of color um which probably had something to do with her uh commitment to you know diversity in that but i really i really appreciated a book where um you know usually it's the it's the opposite right where it's mostly white kids and like a couple of kids of colors you know smattered in there so i really appreciated a book where we had a great variety of and within those people of color you know there are people of all different um races and uh shades so i really appreciated that yeah this book looks delightful it looks like something i would want to have um like in a in the calming corner of the classroom like mm-hmm. have the have the illustrations like laminated and mounted on a wall where a child could yeah you, know, kind you of could absolutely like, do that their strategy when they're having a hard time yeah I think this would be a great one to even do like as as an alphabet you know like A is for this beat and have it on the wall or wherever I think that's a great idea right um and also I just want to shout out to uh Dr. Melissa Monroe Boyd first she sent me a copy of this book to review and I'm very glad she did because I love oh, it. Awesome. I've, I've used it. Like I, I think I was, I don't know if I was saying this, but I've actually used it with the kids that I nanny when they're just like, honestly, as a little distraction when they're having a meltdown, I will just sit and read it and they, it distracts them enough to, I don't know if they're, you know, absorbing all of the information, but it's enough of a distraction at least that they, uh, they calm down when we read it and they seem right. to like it. So I found it really useful in my own, um, my own practice. Um, the only, uh, room to grows that I have, and this is if I'm being like super nitpicky, to be honest, um, for both of these books, I feel like my room to grows are just like, if I had to, I guess. Um, but I, I really like them overall. Um, so in this book, P is for prayer or P is for pray. And it shows, um, a little girl sort of in a traditional, uh, like Christian prayer, uh, position of all like on her knees by her bed. Um, and I, I, I'm not so much opposed to including P is for Prey, 
because like personally like as a person who is religious like i think that is a cope it can be a coping mechanism for some people i guess i just wish it was represented in maybe a different way um a more a more diverse way whether it was a muslim person praying or a jewish kid praying you know um i think that there could be room for you know something else there right or even i mean and it does look like um um uh, religion and spirituality and and prayer isn't you know is something that's very important to Doctor Boyd yes. uh, because it's mentioned in the about her about mm-hmm. right um, but yeah even something that could be a little bit more in like inclusive like if it was a I don't know like I always like to th- think about like a more secular <laughs> secular version of prayer right like a like a, a child or children like in the forest or something which obviously is brings up its own layers of access and mm-hmm. um you know privilege uh to be able to be in a forest or be out in nature but something that if a reader in a in a public classroom who really shouldn't be necessarily introducing the concept of prayer could kind mm-hmm. of spin that in a more secular way exactly um I yeah I think I think it just unfortunately and like like I said like I'm Christian I'm all about the prayer but I think that um it's hard to it makes the book it limits where you can use the book when you include um right things like that sometimes and it reminded me of in uh, I don't know if you remember when we were talking about grief, I talked about the memory box by Joanna Rowland and there was a similar mm-hmm. page where it said, I go places that help me think of you talking about the person who passed away. And it was like a church. Um, and I was like, that could have been anywhere. You know, it didn't have to necessarily be a, a church. Um, and again, I feel like when we include things like that and not, and, and it's hard, I feel I feel conflicted about it because on the one hand, right, of course, if that's important to you as an author, like, I don't want you to be limiting your, you know what I mean? Like, like Mm -hmm. editing yourself. But on the other hand, I guess, well, I guess it's about what's, what's more important to you, like including that thing or having the book maybe have a wider reach um, or a wider, it's reminding me of there, there is a, uh, a post that is, oh my God, it's got hundreds of comments now in a, in a, um, I'm in a group that's, uh, on a Facebook that is like authors and people in publishing and people, you know, that those kinds of folks, illustrators. And there's an illustrator who's doing a story about, uh, Africa. I'm not sure exactly what part of Africa, but what the people that they are talking about, uh, the women, are uh, don't wear anything on the top they're bare breasted mm-hmm. and the person was you know asking for recommendations they had sort of two illustrations one where you could see one of the girl's breasts and one where it was like covered by they had basically they put like a little top on her and, <laughs> uh, yeah and and so they were and and it was just like people you know, some people were like, absolutely not. You know, I would never let my kid look at a book like this. And some people were like, were like you know, publishing, like coming from a publishing perspective, you're going to have a harder time, blah, blah, blah. And there were all sorts of different opinions. But um, the sort of uh, consensus was, it's about what's important to you, right? Like, if you want to be authentic, then like, screw publish you know like it might be harder for you but screw all that and be authentic like Mm -hmm. you know what if a girl from this community saw this book how would she feel if you covered (laughs) her up you know um put her in a sassy little crop top (laughs) yeah right um it was basically like a little little bralette a little like tube top type thing oh my god but uh but it was like you know what's more important to you right and so i think that that's something that's totally valid um you know, not to say that you can't ever talk about prayer, or you can't ever talk about spirituality. Uh, but I think that as, you know, an author, uh, you need to be thinking about, you know, or even the same thing with the, with the toplessness thing, they were like, I, like a lot of teachers were like, this is awesome, but I could not use this in my classroom. Right. Because right. there would be so much drama from parents and, you know, so. Well, and that reminds me, uh, Maya Gonzalez and her gender wheel. She has mm. a really fantastic book called the gender wheel um and we include it in one of our shift book boxes Mm -hmm. but there is a kind of the original version that has a lot of wonderfully naked little children Mm -hmm. um and then there's a school edition that has them all wearing like fantastic outfits instead um so she was able to probably got similar feedback right and decided to make a version where where the the children were a little more covered up 
Yeah, well, I think um, that's also something, again, that's another option is making a school version of a book or um, there are a lot of different, depending on what we're talking about, right? There are a lot of different ways to, you know, incorporate stuff like that and make, you know, while still being true to yourself. This right. is like another another topic now, but I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting, um, especially with that that post that came up because I keep getting notifications about it and seeing other people's opinions. <laughs> also, I'm just yeah. like personally, and now now this is like a tangent for bonus content or something, but like, <laughs> oh, I just can't get over. I literally wrote a post that was like or comment that was like, I can understand people who are like from a publishing perspective, this might be difficult. What is shocking to me is how many parents are like I would never show my kid a breast I'm like a breast is like the first thing your kid sees right. what <laughs> like I don't get it I don't get that like like I'm like you're that's personally I think that that's shaming bodies and shaming body parts and teaching kids that they right like this weird association where like it's a secret you can't see it it's bad or like you know yeah yeah I just like that that idea of don't show kids breasts is like what What? (laughs) they know what breasts are (laughs) they eat from them (laughs) most yes not all children but many children yes yes Yes. thank you thank you (laughs) but I was just like oh my god that just drives me bonkers but anyway um going back to my my last room to grow uh is just again if I'm being super nitpicky while there was a, a wonderful variety of racial diversity in this book there wasn't really any ability diversity all the kids sort of look able bodied um, and so again, if I was being nitpicky of the illustrations, I would have liked to see a little bit more diversity there, but overall, I really like it. I think it's a great book. Um, and, uh, I'm happy, I'm happy it exists and I'm happy to own it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll say, I see, um, that O is for organize and clean up toys. And I feel yep. very seen by that. Yep. Like, yep. yes, that's okay. Me. That counts. That counts as a coping skill. Okay, good. <laughs> that's all I ever want to do yeah that's a good one okay anyway um going back to books that was our our fun uh chat for the day um this is listen this is what happens when I work with kids I don't ever get to talk with adults and then when I get to talk with adults I'm like well and what we're doing right now in this in this anxiety ridden world we are we are doing f we're having fun with a friend Oh my gosh. Anyway, my um my second book uh is called Wild Mindfulness and that's by uh, Laura Larson and uh who is an elementary school counselor and illustrated by Dooley Sen and it is a self-published book also. Uh and basically uh it's a it's a guided meditation for kids that's uh sort of a little trip through the through the wilderness. And so uh, for folks who might not be familiar with guided meditation, basically, um, you know, it's uh where one person reads and the other person or or people who are engaging in the meditation kind of close their eyes and it encourages you to imagine um a a story or a thing that's happening. Um and uh I really, really love this book a lot. So basically the way it, um, the way it works is there's one page that sort of, it alternates uh, between a page that sort of explains what's happening and then what they call a mindful moment. So I'll just sort of read the first one. Um, I'm adventuring today. I'm ready to explore. The excitement inside me is making me soar. The wild outdoors is calling my name. My curiosity and wonder cannot be tamed. As I get in the car and the adventure awaits, I wonder, will I travel far? How long will it take? I settle in and let my senses take control. My wild mindfulness is ready to grow. So that's sort of like the the page that explains what's going on. And then the mindful moment is deep, deep breath in, slowly blow it out. Close your eyes and imagine riding in the car. Your body can feel the vibration of the bumps in the road beneath your seat and through your body. Imagine looking out your window and watching the road pass by. Your eyes look up further and notice the golden fields of grain waving at you from outside. And even further up, the sky begins to tell you a story with its clouds changing in shape and size. They fade away until you can't notice the same shape anymore. You are being mindful. And so it uh, Mm. it sort of alternates between those two things where it has this page that kind of explains what's going on. You know, we've arrived at our destination. It's getting dark, blah, blah, blah. Then it has this mindful moment where you take a deep breath in and out and um, are, you know, doing a little meditation, which I kind of liked because uh, 
as a picture book, it wouldn't be very fun to have your eyes closed the whole time. Uh, (laughs) So it's nice that it sort of alternates between these moments where you can look at the beautiful illustrations and then these moments where you close your eyes and take a breath and you imagine what's happening. Um, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really lovely. I I like it a lot. Um, I personally, uh, like I was saying earlier, when I was uh, in like high school, I like, you know, tried, tried yoga and I did things like that. And I, uh, you know, had this idea that that meditation was this like very boring thing where you just like sat in silence and tried to think about nothing. And, uh, and then one of my teachers, shout out to Miss Berlandi, who I'm still friends with on Facebook. She's great. Um, <laughs> one of my English teachers in high school did a guided meditation with us where we we met our inner child. We like went on this journey and we like met our inner child and imagined what they looked like and we like interacted with them. And I just like really remembered that experience so much that I reached out to her and on Facebook. I like at, when I first reconnected with her and was like, do you still have that meditation? Like, can I have that resource? Like, it, was, <laughs> it really meant a lot to me. It was like a really, a really awesome experience and um that was because I think it's great and I like personally I'm a very visual person I'm a very like imaginative person and I think kids in general you know have a lot of imagination and um I I just like the idea of doing that kind of exercise with kids I think it would be great like before bedtime especially um to get to like close their eyes and imagine this this journey um and yeah I just really like it I think uh overall my my way to goes are there's front matter and back matter. Ooh. That's right. We got both. Um, uh, there it's, it's almost, almost in the form of a textbook. They have a, they have a vocab list in the front um, and all of the words that are on that vocab list that kids might not know are underlined and bolded um, almost in the way that they would be in a textbook. So uh, it's nice that you can go back and read the, the definitions of those words. Uh, and then in the back, there's a really lovely uh, list, uh, tips for parents, guardians, and educators, ways to incorporate mindfulness in your day. And it has all different kinds of mindfulness um, activities like affirmations, taking a pause, counting, guided imagery, muscle relaxation, um, breathing, uh, all sorts of different things. Um, and I also really appreciate their talking about how important mental health is at the end of this um, and encouraging you to uh, support mental health initiative, local mental health initiatives in schools and things like that, um, which I think is super important. They're saying they're saying here, which is wild, that um, the the appropriate student to counselor. This is in the states. The appropriate student to counselor ratio, as defined by the American School Counseling Association, is two hundred and fifty students to one counselor. Um, however, many schools have a thousand to one. So a thousand kids mm-hmm. to one counselor, which is like wild. <laughs> I was reading that. And, and like, even oh 250, 250 to one. Feels cool, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, could you imagine having to know? Well, that's how I felt like personally, that's one of the reasons I didn't go into public education because as the art teacher, I would have like 600 kids minimum, you know, depending on what kind of school I was in. Um, maybe more than that, if there's only one art teacher in a larger school, um, and I was like, how in the world am I supposed to know all of these kids and their needs <laughs> like, right, right. when I have that many kids? And especially as a counselor, which is a job where you you need to have a rapport with kids and remember, you mm. know, what they're going through and the names of their parents and their dog and their, you know, <laughs> like. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, it was just wild to me. Um, so I appreciated that they encouraged, uh, encouraged that. Um, I also uh, really liked that the there's one child who's going on this journey through the book and it happens to be a little girl of color which I really liked um and I I enjoyed also the way that it engaged sort of all of your senses like it encouraged you to let you know what do you smell what do you see what do you feel um and so I really I really like that it was again just a really nice I think way to focus on something um that I, I really like that kind of meditation. I thought it was nice. Um, again, if I'm being like super nitpicky, my room to grows would be, it's a little on the long side. So, which isn't necessarily even a room to grow, just a consideration. Uh, you know, I would maybe do it with slightly older kids, like four and up or like maybe a very mature three-year-old um, who can, depending on what you, you know, you know your kid and what they, how long they can sit and pay attention to something for. Um, but it is a little bit on the longer side. Um, the, again, these 
aren't even necessarily criticisms more as like considerations, I guess there, um, there is at the end of every one of the, um, the sort of first section that I gave where it's like a descriptive section, it, it says my wild mindfulness is ready to grow. And at the end of the mindful moment, it says you are being mindful. And I, I like couldn't decide if I felt like it was necessary to say that after every single one. Um, it felt like a little on the repetitive side, uh, but it didn't like bother me necessarily, but I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know if it needed that. Um, <laughs> I wonder and, if it adds though to the kind of the rhythmic, like the yes, rhythm. Yes, exactly. Well, that's why I was kind of like, I have mixed feelings about it where part of me is like, I like it. And part of me is like, did it need it? Like, and I think I would need to read it out loud to a kid before I could mm. make that decision. Right, um, right, right. Because I haven't, I've only read it, you know, to myself uh, in my head. And I haven't read it out loud. Oh, also, as I'm flipping through this, I didn't mention, but the illustrations are absolutely gorgeous. Oh my gosh. I actually like just looking at, at the, at the cover, I went and I have found the illustrator because I'm absolutely captivated. Yeah. It's just really um, beautiful. Like watercolor illustrations, especially the scenes with the stars are just like really, really lovely. Right. Um, and um, she is from Sri Lanka and she mm-hmm. is on Instagram at duly underscore sen. Um, for folks who want to follow a really gorgeous art. Yes. Uh, And that's one of the things actually uh, about, about this book that I appreciated that I believe, well, I'm always, I always love to see, um, you know, uh, diversity also in the creators. Um, and, And I'm always interested to learn about, you know, where folks are from and their experiences and, you know, as far as the illustrators and the authors, um, because I think it has a lot to, to do with what they create, you know what I mean? Our experiences. Totally. Um, and so I like to see different, uh, different perspectives through, through the art, you know what I mean? Um, which I think is really awesome. The, and then the only other, again, uh, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, just sort of like a, more like a, um, something I noticed, I guess. Uh, but the, the parts where they're about, about the journey rhyme and then the mindful moments that don't rhyme. And I was kind of like, hmm, that was an interesting choice. Like, I don't mm. like, again, like, I don't know, I would have to read it out loud before I could see if it kind of affects how it affects the rhythm of the book. Um, but at least it's, it is consistent in that, like all of the parts that are descriptive rhyme and all of the mindful moments don't rhyme. Um, but I thought that was kind of an interesting choice. But again, right. that, like I, this is if I was being like super duper nitpicky. I love this book. Um, I think it's great. And I, I haven't really, honestly, I haven't seen anything like it as far as like guided meditations for kids. There might be like books of them, uh, like anthologies of guided meditations for kids, but I've never seen a picture book like this before. Um, which again, probably has to do with the fact that you usually keep your eyes closed. <laughs> um, but I like the way that they were able to incorporate both closing their eyes and then being able to, you know, on the pages with the mindful moments where your eyes are closed, there isn't a full illustration. It's sort of like a little circle with maybe some flowers in it or some stars, um, you know, the fire, the campfire. So you're not really missing out on, on much, uh, right. uh, you know. Um, would there be, are there, I wonder about like the, are there any barriers to access because it's an experience that maybe not every child has had? Like are are children being asked to kind of smell the smoke from the campfire and kind of do things that, that might not be part of every child's lived experience. Let's see what it says on that page. I'm curious. Imagine roasting marshmallows. Yeah. Maybe you've never roasted a marshmallow. I don't know. Um, like feeling the heat. Well, it says feel the heat on your body. So even if you've never had a campfire, you've probably felt heat before, right? Right, right. Um, but it does say like you can hear you can hear the fire crackling and popping. But that's more like descriptive. Um, and yeah, it does say like the smell of smoke fills the air around you. So that's true. I, I suppose for certain aspects of this, if uh, I would say particularly probably the campfire one is the most like most people have probably seen stars. Um, you know, it, I guess that, that one in particular is the one that jumps out to me, like you mentioned. And right. I guess also depending on your access to nature, um, uh, and things like that, you know, maybe you have or haven't had some of these experiences, but overall, I think that it's fairly accessible with maybe a couple of caveats to that. 
Right. So it's like it's helping to transport a child into that space, but it might resonate more strongly with with a child mm-hmm. who's who's had the experience of being exactly. in that sort of space. Totally. Right. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And we've talked we've talked before about, you know, the accessibility of nature and things like that. And I think that I appreciate um, that you brought that to my attention, because I think it's important to think about those things for sure. Um, maybe there could be a companion book that is uh, that is doing a similar uh a similar story but a story that is that resonates with another type of lived experience or yeah. another and yeah I would love series. I would love a series of these books um yeah that would be because like I said I I, I think that um I, I love these kinds of uh meditations and I think I would absolutely buy a whole series of these <laughs> Right. Uh, then you could ask the child, like, well, okay, where do you, where do you want to go tonight? Go? Yeah. yeah, exactly. How exactly. fun. It, it actually reminded me a lot of, um, there is an activity that I used to do with kids before bed sometimes where I would, I would have them lay on their stomach uh, with like older kids. I'd have them lay on their stomach and then I would tell a story and I would draw pictures on their back with my finger and I'd have them mm. try and guess what I was drawing. Um, and it was sort of a good, like, calming activity before bed. And I'm just like, make up a story. Um, but that's what, I don't know, it reminded me of that, uh, of just like going, you know, going on some kind of like having them close their eyes and just sort of like go on some kind of journey together. Um, which right. And like, up. think about the physicality of what they're yeah. experiencing. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think those kinds of things are really great. Um, so bodied. Well, yes, absolutely. So lastly, I just wanted to talk about one book that I, um, I was, I see recommended a lot. Um, and it is My Magic Breath by Nick Ortner and Allison Taylor. Uh, and it's illustrated by Michelle Polizzi. And that is published by Harper, which is an imprint of, of HarperCollins. Um, and basically it's sort of, it's sort of an interactive book. So they'll, uh, that helps you use your, helps the kid use their breath to sort of push away bad thoughts and think about positive thoughts. Um, and while I, I, I like the, the idea behind it as far as being interactive. So like, it'll, it'll be like, like, let's say it's talking about sadness and the, you know, the sort of, there are these sort of swirls, um, these decorative swirls that uh, represent the thoughts or the feelings and you have to like blow them away and make it like happy ones. So like, I like the idea of an interactive book, almost like press here. Do you know about that book? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the one with the little buttons and you, pre- you know, so I, I, I like books like that, but overall I, um, I felt like it was kind of encouraging you to push bad feelings away and replace them with happy feelings. Um, which I feel, I, I understand sort of where they were going with that, but I feel like I'm more um, am of the camp of like encouraging kids to sit with their feelings and uh, like, it's okay to be sad. Not like you have to push a sad thought away and be happy. Um, which is kind of where I felt like this book was, it was going a little bit in that direction. Um, so again, not like I hate this book. It's terrible. You can't read it, but I would just, you know, uh, take that into consideration and, maybe it would have, you know, could come with a conversation about it, you know, it's okay to feel your feelings. Um, but yeah, it was just sort of interesting to me that this was the one that I saw, uh, you know, um, suggested sort of the most about these, these kinds of books. Like what I, I had usually often when I'm looking for books, I'll, uh, for these topics, I'll go in Facebook groups. I'm in a lot of like kids lit Facebook groups and I'll ask people for recommendations. And so many people recommended this book and I read it and I was like, well, I think we could do better. Like, you know, right. Well, and I'm, I'm just looking at the, this is probably from the flap. So I know that it might be written differently in the title itself, but it says, do you have magic? Do you have the magic breath when you are worried or nervous or sad? Take a deep, deep breath. Now let it go. Did that help you feel better? see it's magic and it's like for children who are actually experiencing like either you know just anxiety or depression or also trauma Mm -hmm. um like 
first of all, do you have the magic breath? It's like, okay, so either I have it or I don't. Like I'm either in this great, this cool magic group or like, oh shit, it doesn't work for me. So like now there's even one more thing that's like making me feel othered, you know, like it just, even the framing of this idea, like makes me very cringy. Like, and did that help you feel better? See, it's magic. And it's like, for many children, like taking one deep breath is not going to make them feel better. If they are hungry, if they, you know, are being, experiencing neglect or experiencing like homelessness or, you know. Even just like in my, you know, regular old life, like, I'm sorry, but when I'm upset, breathing does not like taking one breath is not going to make me feel better like as an adult right you know what I mean like not right. to say that it can't help some people um but I I don't like the idea where they're like see didn't that feel better and I'm like don't tell me how I feel <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about being told how I feel <laughs> I don't like it oh my gosh but yeah so overall I wasn't super impressed with that book um and I would I I would just uh, encourage folks to look for, you know, there are tons of other really great books, uh, some of which we're talking about right now. Um, and I would just encourage to look further than that first recommendation. Right. Um, but anyway, well, I would, for that. yeah, I would love to hear about your books. All right. Well, I have two books to recommend today. And um, the first one is kind of tangential gently related to mindfulness and meditation it is about yoga Mm -hmm. and of course mindfulness practices and yoga practices are not one and the same but they have kind of like mindfulness has long been an element of yoga and vice Mm -hmm. versa Um, and there's uh, some evidence like some scholarly evidence that yoga practice may reduce stress and anxiety and increase mindfulness so one of the books that I wanted to feature is called You Are a Lion and Other Fun Yoga Poses. And this book is written and illustrated by Tayun Yu and was published in 2012 by Nancy Paulson Books. And um, I, the illustrations in this story are very sweet. Um, the art is kind of in the spirit of Helen Oxenbury, who is the illustrator who did books such as Going on a Bear Hunt is one of the ones that she's mm-hmm. quite well known for. Um, and, but, uh, the art in this book has a bit more texture and energy and kind of solidness than Helen Oxenbury's, which is kind of, um, has a kind of a lighter touch. Um, and the author, um, Tayun received her MFA from New York School of Visual Arts, um, the illustration as visual essay program, and, um, has done a lot of, of her own picture books, also has, um, done, illustrated many others and also is illustrating the reissue of Madeline Langle's uh, series about uh, A Wrinkle in Time. So, so she's, she's out there and, and I really, I really enjoy her art a lot. And she mm-hmm. is um, from uh, Korea mm-hmm. and is currently, I read an article or I read an interview that was kind of a more recent interview and um, she is currently in Korea with her young daughter um, during the pandemic is kind of like sheltering in place in um, Seoul, uh, but also has lived in New York and studied in New York and has, has spent time in New York city. Um, And so this book begins by um, saying when the golden sun rises, warm rays fill the garden, children all gather namaste to the morning. Um, And there are six children and um, two of them uh, kind of uh, kind of present as um, black or or brown, and one child presents kind of as as Asian, and then there's one redheaded child and two white children. So there's some some kind of diversity in the grouping of children, but all, as you mentioned about one of your titles, all are able-bodied. There's no limb mm-hmm. difference, um, but there. So there's six little children in a garden, and um, the book has a lot of rhythm to it, which I think we'll, we're finding is a, a pattern in these sorts of stories um, that are promoting mindfulness and promoting these sorts of practices. So there is first a double page spread with directions, like for a young child to um, to to kind of get into the yoga pose. So you see the, a picture of one of the six children 
um, getting into position with very simple directions. And then you, you flip to the next, um, here, let me actually pull up we can edit this down, but let me pull up one of the double page spreads. I don't have this book in front of me. Uh, so the rhythm of the story is that it begins with a double page spread that gives directions for the child reader. So for example, it says, sit on your heels, hands on your knees, tongue out. And so you see one of the six children getting into position. And then at the bottom corner, it says, you are a, and then you turn the page to kind of the reveal of the pose you have embodied. Um, and so, for example, one of them is that that child is getting into the position of the lion. And then there is a little poem about being a lion that's mm. um, quite sweet. So it says, you are a lion. Um, and you see a, an actual lion and the child in the pose kind of, you know, echoing each other. And it says, king of the jungle, roaring so loud, make the woods rumble. Um, so it's just a sweet little little poem with some near rhymes. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's delightful. And so it goes through the six. Each child takes on a pose with directions for the reader and then their big reveal. And then at the end, um, they all all together all six children are on the page where they do mountain pose. Mm. Um, and then it ends and says, lie down and be still. You see all the children laying in the grass. Lie down and be still. Slowly breathe in the garden. Relax in the silence. Namaste to each other. Mm. Um, and it's just lovely. Like it's um, when I, I was actually working in a, in a bookstore when this came out and I just I did a lot of hand selling of it. I thought it was delightful. I think I gave it as birthday gifts that year to all my little Aww. nieces. And uh, I, I I just think the it has a great rhythm to it. The art is very sweet. Um, the poses are, you know, pretty uh, rudimentary or basic for, for anyone who's, you know, taking their child to do like actual yoga classes from the time that they're quite young. Mm-hmm. Might find this pretty basic, but I think it's... Um, yeah, just a, a nice moment to to read with a child and have them get into the poses and kind of practice a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of like embodied, um, uh, you know, centering in the in the midst of a busy day. So yeah, and I love that the that the author um, is um, from Korea, right? So we have an author who or a creator who is who's not our typical. Um, cis hetero white person mm-hmm. um and uh i think that my my room to grow would be right like we're saying like let's always push for more representation so a you know a a child with limb difference who was who was doing the yoga um would have been a nice thing to include but all in all i think this is a delightful a delightful book yeah it sounds like it yeah it's just very sweet Tayun is a is an illustrator to watch. There, uh, she's being well. Um, you know, she's her first picture book was an was awarded the Society of Illustrators Award, um, New York Times Best Illustrated Book twice, Book Award twice. So, um, she's one to watch. It's something that I really appreciate about. Um, you know, I I do sometimes I do dance and things like that, and something that I really appreciate about being in those spaces. Um, specifically, I found this in queer spaces more than other spaces. Um, but is that a lot of the teachers that I've had are very much like, you know, do, you know, make adjustments if you need to make adjustments and do whatever your body can do. And like, you know, if you need to like go sit out for a minute, like however you want to enjoy the class, like, and, and be in this space, like it's, you know, how you can do it. And I, like you were saying, like, I would love to see that reflected with, you know, kids with different abilities in in a book like that of how, um, how different kids could be doing those poses, um, and how they're still valid, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It would be, yeah, it would be interesting to do a survey of these books and see if anyone has, has kind of um, made a point to do that, to take that approach, right? Because every, everybody, everybody can dance, everybody can, can move, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Um, in a way that is valid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so shall I go on to my second book? Yes, please do. Okay. So this is um, this is a book that is not, you would not find this um, kind of in the meditation and mindfulness section in your bookstore per se. But when I, Seth, when you, when you 
you know, presented this theme, it, it came to my mind because I think that it is just, it is a meditative book and it is a book whose the point of the story or the message of the story is one of mindfulness. Um, so I thought that it fit, even though it's, it's, I guess, on our spectrum of like instructional kind of problem. Obviously, this is not, not a necessarily a, a topic that has problems, but from the, from the spectrum of the kind of more didactic book to the one that is incidental and just happens to kind of, you know, take on that theme. This is on the incidental just kind of happens to, to take on this theme sort of a story. And it is, um, the words are by Julie Fogliano and pictures are by Aaron E. Steed, which in my mind, I always pronounce Stead. I'm not actually sure how it's pronounced, but um, I have heard it pronounced Steed recently. So I'm going with Steed. <laughs> and the title in, in with no capitalization, um, which we can talk about later, is called If You Want to See a Whale. Um, and this, um, the, this is the second book in the collabor. This is a second collaboration between Fogliano and Steed. And so I'll give a little tiny bit of background. Um, Aaron Steed is married to, um, another picture book creator mm. and is an artist. Um, Aaron Steed is married to Philip C. Steed, um, or Stead, as I've always said it in my head. Um, and, uh, they, she's an artist and the story goes that she didn't feel like she had a picture book in her, um, or she couldn't access the story. Right. Like, so she just, Mm. she had kind of a hurdle. Um, and he wrote the text to a book called a sick day for Amos McGee and she illustrated it. And it went on to win the Caldecott Medal that year. Mm. So right out of the gate, her first book took the Caldecott Medal. Um, and it's a she is an exquisite illustrator. Um, really, really kind of unique style and really um, lovely illustrations, lovely, lovely pictures. Um, uh, personally, my issue with A Sick Day for, for Amos McGee is that I think that it should have been a wordless picture book. I think actually mm. the illustrations um, stand on their own to the degree that the language is, the text is kind of redundant. Oh. And I would have liked them to move to another phase of editing where they actually, once she created the story through her art, they actually removed the text altogether. Mm. Um, but that's my own little little nitpicky <laughs> feeling about that. Um, but, and so then, um, Julie Fogliano is, uh, a poet and I don't know exactly how they got together, but I think they're all sort of in these similar circles of artists. Um, and so Julie Fogliano was pushed by, I think I read an article that she was pushed by one of her writer friends. She didn't feel like she had a story in her either, <laughs> or she couldn't access a story. She was pushed by one of her writer friends to write something to him every day for a year, mm. like just a little jotting to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, we can, we can include the interview in the show notes, but um, basically the first on day, I think it was on day 156, what she ended up kind of became the impetus for the, the story. And then it, um, and then it's spring. Hmm. And and then it's spring. So is was um was Julie Fogliano's first story, and it was illustrated by Aaron Stead or Steed. Um, and it went on to win um the Ezra Jack Keats New Author Award and hmm. a Boston Globe Hornbook honor. So both of these creators kind of came out of the gate swinging or whatever metaphor you want to use. They are award-winning right out the gate. Um, And then, so this was their follow-up collaboration to, and then it's spring. Um, And it's been noted that both kind of talk about um, the relationship between a child and the natural world and the role that patience plays Mm. in that relationship. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and so <laughs> it was a long-winded way to open up the story and actually give you a little <laughs> bit of information about this book. Um, I 
It it's called If You Want to See a Whale, and it it was published by um, it's a Neil Porter book published by Roaring Book Press, and it came out in 2013. And I actually snagged a first edition. I'm holding it Whoa. in my hand right now, and someday I would like to get it signed by both of these creators. Um, and so. I, I will just read the first couple of pages to give you a sense of the, of the story. It says, if you want to see a whale, you will need a window and an ocean and time for waiting and time for looking and time for wondering, is that a whale? <laughs> and time for realizing, no, it's just a bird. Um, and then I'll, uh, and so then after that opening, uh, which takes several pages, it's, you know, kind of one line per, per spread. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes through a series of things that you need and a series of things that you shouldn't do if you want to actually see a whale. <laughs> so to me, um, I felt <laughs> it says, uh, I'll read you one line. It says, um, if you want to see a whale, don't look way out and over there to the ship that is sailing with the flag that is flapping because possible pirates won't help at all when you're waiting for a whale. So it's the message is kind of like, don't allow yourself to be distracted. If you want to see a whale, you need to focus. You need to be focused on that and don't allow yourself these other distractions which part of me was like, I feel seen. And part of me was like, <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> um, but it does say, I read Publishers Weekly in their review of this book. It says, gentle irony courses through the story. When Fogliano warns against being sidetracked by fragrant wild roses or the possibility of pirates in the harbor, it is clear that those distractions while certainly different than the split second magic of spotting a whale are treasures in themselves. Hmm. So I, I got to rest assured that, okay, it's okay <laughs> to be distracted sometimes by these other giant projects. So, you know, like I can take my eye off the prize. That's okay too. Um, like but uh, yeah. And so, um, and so the, the, Again, it's more kind of uh, gentle directives. If you want to see a whale, there's no time to watch the pelican um, who may or may not be smiling while sitting, staring, looking out because pelicans who sit and stare can never be a whale. Um, and so uh, it's it's just lovely. She, she is such a poet. Um, and the art, you know, um, when this child's looking up at the clouds, there are sort of echoes of whales throughout, right? So in the one of the first spreads, um, the the land on the horizon has the shape of a whale, right? So there's mm. all sorts of acknowledgments of of how you might be distracted and how you might think that might be a whale, um, but then, so I don't know, the, the the story itself is written in such a such a soothing. Um, never chastising, but kind of directive, non-aggressive, non-aggressive directives throughout <laughs> about how one can focus. But it, it is in itself written in such a soothing, rhythmic way that it just reading the story is sort of an act of mindfulness because you yeah. do sort of fall into it. Um, and the messaging behind it is kind of like to focus on one thing and kind of let that and it's okay to focus on what that one thing and it's a you know whether that's something small or big to kind of center your mind on that and 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 give it your full attention and full self mm. um and so i think that this it's just a a lovely a lovely story and lovely. um yeah and the art i mean it's just it's just wonderful um and I won't, I won't spoil the ending. I won't spoil the big, the, the ending. You'll have to see what happens. But um, so my way to goes for this book are the, the art um, and the, um, the poem. I think, I think one could, would, could call the full text kind of a poem in itself. Um, and I think that the message is, is one that resonates kind of in this, in this busy, frenetic time to kind of slow down and, and focus on one thing, um, is a nice message. Uh, I think that the, the rooms to grow, um, just, um, 
for me, the fact that there are things like like no punctuation in the title and they don't they don't have capitalized they don't their names are not mm. capitalized but I, I don't see that being something that they really have haven't have taken on as a as a choice in all their work it's just sort of to particular to this title mm. it it's a little bit um it borders on being a little bit too twee to me what does that mean um, it just, it's just a little, a little too much. Like it's a mm-hmm. little to me, I mean, and I'll give you a little bit of background about my feeling about this and it might just be my own, like I might just be a little bit um, triggered by like kind of ha- a little bit how like hipster and kind of self-aware it is. Okay. Um, I don't know. So essentially there's a little bit of a story here. Um, in 2010, the New York Times published an article that kind of that was titled "Picture Books Are No Longer a Staple for Children" and kind of talked about this movement in the industry toward more text-heavy stories that was kind mm-hmm. of um, aligned with parents being interested, like really invested in their children learning to read and kind of moving away from picture books very very mm-hmm. quickly. Right. Um, that being said, like there is clearly a robust market for picture books. There is a robust history of picture books. Like picture books are something that are studied and created and as Mm -hmm. as works of art um, and have been for decades, right? So um, in 2011, kind of in response to this article, there was a group of um, new up and coming picture book authors and illustrators, including Aaron Stead and her husband, Philip Stead, who put out this proclamation. They took out an ad in the Hornbook, which is a essentially a children's literature magazine that's been around for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And they took out an ad, these new, brand new kids on the block <laughs> took out an ad called the the proc they they it's they it's called pro it says proclamation. We are tired of hearing the picture book is in trouble and tired of pretending it is not. And so we believe imitation, laziness, and timidity are poisoning a great art form. A picture book should be fresh, honest, piquant, and beautiful. And it goes, I mean, it's just this whole diatribe about what they believe and what they condemn and what they declare. Every day we make new children. Let us also make new children's books. Um and there are a lot of folks who signed on to this, like n- a lot of new and now award-winning creators, mm-hmm. including Mac Barnett, John Classen, mm. Christian Robinson, um, and the Steads. I actually didn't realize Christian Robinson had signed on to this. Oh, that makes me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of, this proclamation kind of pissed a lot of people off because um, a lot of people have been making incredible picture books for a very long time and a lot of these authors and creators that sign onto this list are just like more white people that just I mean like you know like it just happens to be that they were people who had come from uh design backgrounds and you know Mm -hmm. it, it just was sort of like like buddy like you don't actually even know this industry yet and yeah. you're making all these grand declarations about it and like sit down, sit down for a minute. Right. <laughs> um, and so they, and in their defense, like many of them have gone on to create like really incredible picture books. Mm-hmm. Um, but this proclamation did not need to happen in order for them to do that and like enter the canon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that proclamation rubbed me the wrong way as someone Mm. who has studied children's literature and like got a degree in children's literature like long before the new york times article came out and this proclamation you know was kind of presented to the world like i think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way um so uh i think i'm inclined to feel a little bit on edge when i see these like i said like kind of um over the top like design elements, like not using punctuation and not using capital letters. Like, is it, is this necessary to the story? Why are yeah. these choices being made? Um, because I think that these folks have this idea that they are being fresh and new and inventive without mm. recognizing 
the history to which they're now kind of becoming a part. Yeah. Does that, that make <laughs> that makes a no? That makes a lot of sense. I think. Well, I think we talk about this a lot in books in general, where it's like, why are you making the choices you, you're making, right? And I, I think there should be intention behind choices. I, you know, and if and if the answer is to be cool, like I don't know if that was the answer, yeah. but like, but yeah. <laughs> also, I, I think it, I think that there, I mean, I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about this, but I. I think that there's a problem when people don't understand the, like if you're making a choice like that and it's unclear what the intention was, if there was an intention behind it, then like if it's unclear what the intention was, then it's not coming across. Right. Um, While, while also acknowledging that like, right. Books like any other art form are up for interpretation. And I'm not saying that like, you need to know exactly what the author was thinking when they made it. Um, But with something like that, where it seems like a design, a specific choice, choice like you want people to know why that choice was otherwise especially with that kind of thing like punctuation and capitalization because that would bother the crap out of me so um here's a little fun fact about french in french they capitalize a lot less things than we do in english like they don't capitalize months they don't capitalize um you know just certain certain things that we capitalize um and or like titles, like they wouldn't capitalize every word of a title. And so this is why when my wife does my show notes, I have to go and capitalize every letter. <laughs> but, um, but you know, so that was something that like was really frustrating for me because I was just like, no, it's wrong. Like learning French. I was just like, ah, um, but like, right. but then like knowing, oh, okay, that's how they do it. Right. Um, but I think that personally, like that would definitely bother me if it wasn't clear, like what the intention was. Um, I don't know. Right. Right. And it's like, I mean, this is not like, why are their names or even, even if the title isn't capitalized, their names aren't like, capitalized. Right. Like, oh! No, their, na- no, their <laughs> names are not capitalized. And this is, they are not like bell hooks. They are not like, this is not an intentional thing that they've done throughout their oh, kind gosh. of identity. It's like just for this book. And it doesn't even, it's not, um, it's not even a story about kind of like small intimate things, right? Like if yeah. we're talking about like, okay, if you want to see a whale, like this is, this is a poem and it's quiet and it's cozy and it's small. So we're going to only use lowercase letters. Like it's, it's about whales. <laughs> like it's, about, <laughs> it's about, you know, I'll cap that by saying that the, the kind of a, the main author of the proclamation is Mac Barnett and what he says in an article or in an interview with um, with Publishers Weekly, he says, Originality and thoughtfulness are vital to the longevity of this art form. I think there is a lot of lazy repetition of plot lines and stock formulas, and this laziness is not always called out by critics. And I just, I don't think, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think if you want to see a whale is lovely. I'm glad that it was created. I'm glad that it's part of my personal library. Um, I don't think that something is original. Originality um, is not achieved by eliminating capitalization in your your work, right? Like that's like, so I I know this, it's just, so that's a little pet peeve of mine that's, that's informed by a huge history um, of industry drama. Um, I do recommend if you want to see a whale and maybe the punctuation and capitalization will not irk others as it has irked me. And I hope that is the case (laughs) because it is truly a beautiful book. Yeah. And I think, well, like you were, I wanted to mention this earlier, but um, when you were saying how it's not necessarily about mindfulness but reading the book itself is almost a moment of mindfulness well r is for read read yes in my in my b is for breathe so there you go exactly exactly <laughs> you know i think that anything can be a moment of, of mindfulness you know right when it's done in in that way and i think that there are there are books that like the book doesn't need to necessarily be you know, when we do these topics, I tend to take more literal interpretations of like, this is about mindfulness. Um, but a book doesn't necessarily have to be beating you over the head with mindfulness in order to help you practice mindfulness. Exactly. And I think that we, I, I love that we are able to bring books to the table that kind of um, are all along that spectrum, from Absolutely. all along the spectrum of didactic, I'm going to tell you what the issue is and tell you how to do it mm-hmm. and tell you, you know, to like, the more incidental 
books. Yeah, and I, th- I think that incorporating all of those into a bookshelf is what's going to help a child have a greater understanding of, of a concept, right? And just a greater understanding of, of, of the variety in the world. Yeah, absolutely. You mm-hmm. said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, I, I mean, that's it for me. Do you have anything else, anything else to add? No, after all of my, my long winded, <laughs> I, I love it. Ultimately, I do recommend this book, but I have nothing but negative, <laughs> no, negative little, little rants about the creators. Uh, and the, uh, no, uh, no, no, oh I really, gosh. no, that's, that's, yeah. So that's, that's all I have to say about, about that. Okay. Well, um, next week we are going to be talking about self love and self care. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that one. Uh, I have quite a few, quite a few books for that one. Although I also, I have to say it was, I had a tough time finding books for this one. Um, cause I was like, I don't know, some of the books I was just like, I don't, again, I, I mean, I'll talk about this next week, but there were some books that people kept recommending and I was like, I would never read this to a child. <laughs> Right. Well, when, because when something is a, when something is a hot topic, right? Like there, when something's a hot topic, you do get a lot of people who have something to say on it and they yeah. have different, different levels of kind of expertise or levels of, of understanding again, of the picture book yeah. industry, what it takes to create a beautiful and picture like book. children, <laughs> like <laughs> your understanding of children. Well, I, I just, you know, I could go on about this forever, but like, it just made me think about that. Um, that book, oh gosh, not Woke Baby, the other one, Anti-Racist Baby, uh, mm. that I was reading it. And I was just like, this is for an adult, <laughs> you know? I was just like, exactly. but it, there's a lot of, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into this a bit, a bit next week. But um, but at any rate, I'm excited to talk about, about that topic. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's a good one. I think I'm, I'm happy to be doing a little bit about how to take care of ourselves and love ourselves and um, do some self-care. Uh, because I think that's something that a lot of adults are still learning and the, you know, the ability to instill that in kids would just be, that would be great if from a young age, we all knew how to do that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, at any rate, um, I will uh, see you next time, Rebecca. All right. Always good to talk, Seth. Always good to talk. All right. Bye everybody. Bye. Remember, stay rad.